Welcome to I Used to Be a Therapist. I am so glad you're here today. This week, we are talking about joy. I have loved spending time thinking about joy and what it really is, and even a little bit about what it really is not. So this week, I'm going to share two different conversations about joy that I've had with two amazing therapists from around the country. I'm also going to be sharing a bit about my own thoughts on joy in a bonus episode on the oil blend from Young Living Joy. So make sure you take time just to check those all out. But today, I am sharing the conversation that I had about joy with therapist and best-selling author Tom Glasser. Tom has been a therapist and life coach for over 30 years. He is the author of the Amazon.com bestseller, Full Heart Living, Conversations with the Happiest People I Know, and it's a great book. I read it. He is now working on a second book and video project on resilience following trauma. I'm excited about that. Tom has a passion, really, and you're going to pick up on it. He has a passion for helping people live their best lives. He is a great person to listen to, super fun to talk to. I am very excited to share our conversation with you. I know it's going to add value to your day. Let's listen in. My name is Dr. Wendy Bruton, and I used to be a therapist. Welcome to my podcast. Leaving my career as a therapist, business owner, and counselor educator was a big risk. But now, as an author, coach, entrepreneur, and podcast host, I am fulfilling my passion to help people move forward toward an essentially better life. Each episode is filled with stories, information, and ideas that I know will be valuable to your life and to the lives you touch. So if you need a therapist or just someone who used to be a therapist, I know that this is a place that you will feel valued, valuable, and learn to move forward from what you used to be. I'm so glad you're here. Tom, thank you so much for being here today with me. I'm excited. I'm glad I get to meet you. I am as well. I, I've been looking forward to this for months now. Me too. When we first met online, I looked up all your stuff and I am very, very honored that you're here. I'm excited to to have a conversation with you today. So pleasure. Pleasure to be here. We're gonna talk about joy. Yes. And that's something that you seem to have a lot to say about <laughs> and have said a lot about, right? Like, I'm so excited to to talk with you about this today. But before we get going, I would love for you just to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, family, all that stuff. Sure, you got it. Well, I'm in Minneapolis right now as we speak. Uh, so it's me and my husband, Greg and I have been together almost get this 30 years. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And we adopted a little boy who's now 23. Uh, Elliot is from Ukraine. When he was about a year and a half, he came into our lives. And I introduced you to Rex, our min- little mini Labradoodle. Yes, he's beautiful. Ago. Yeah. So that's my, that's my family. And what are some things you guys like to do? Oh, yeah. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So especially in the midst of this pandemic, I've really gotten into 
walking so and running back into running. I was a big time runner for a long time. And then about two years ago, I had an injury. Uh-huh. I was away from it, but I rediscovered my love of running in this pandemic and my body is cooperating. And that's really awesome. I mentioned we love the desert. We just love being in that amazing, incredible environment uh-huh. out there. We love hanging with friends. A um, little bit of live performances. And I do some performing, although it's been a while now since I've done that. So I'm, I'm an actor part-time. And um, I am just about to graduate from a yoga teacher training program. So that's another passion of mine. Have and you done I, that I, through this whole pandemic thing? Yes. Yes. We started before the pandemic. So my cohort and I were in person. Thank goodness. Oh. Uh, and then we quickly switched to remote and it's worked remarkably well. But you already knew them and you already had communication. I mean, you already had connection with them. Yes. Right. That's yeah. great. So yeah. during this season, I've been asking all of the guests why you became a therapist because you're all therapists. And I love the stories that I'm hearing. So I would love for you to tell that story, why you became a counselor. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I was always told, Wendy, that I'm a good listener. And some of my most happy experiences, like in um, high school, Mm -hmm. were when I would just sit with really good friends and have really deep conversations and we would like mm-hmm. fix the world in our minds right sure. we would solve all the world's problems and solve each other's problems and i just came alive in those um encounters in mm-hmm. those experiences mm-hmm. and then i had a phenomenal high school psychology teacher mr ryan who only recently passed just a couple mm-hmm. months ago mr ryan died this is in rochester michigan at adams high school and he really inspired in me the love for the field. I mean, think about it. Psychology is the study of human behavior. Yeah. What's not more fascinating than human <laughs> being? And, and oh, we are crazy and fascinating, right? Yes. And everybody has a story, Wendy. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody has a story and they're fascinating. There's infinite possibilities and in how people make the choices they make. And I just get so jazzed about accompanying people in their journey Mm -hmm. toward acceptance and change. Mm -hmm. And, um, but back to your question, why did I, why did I, I could just see it from a, from a really young age. I I could just see myself doing that. Oh, I know what else. Yes. And here's the thing. I knew that it would help me. um, It would prompt me to continue my own personal development. Mm -hmm. Right. The best therapists, we are, we're always working on ourselves too. You can't just kind of stay static. Mm -mm. If your clients are working on stuff, you got to be working on stuff. Mm -hmm. I I always say like, you got to be smoking what you're selling. Yes. You do. Yeah. You got to be smoking what you're selling. That's right. So if you're going to be worth your salt, I mean. Yes. Yeah. The best therapists, we're all in therapy. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And I will be probably my whole life. And, um, and it's great. It's yeah. great. I mean, therapy has really changed my life. My own therapy has changed my own life so dramatically. Sure. I love sharing that with other people as well. So do you feel like what you went in for, is that what you're doing now? Like, do you feel like you're, you've fulfilled that, that 
why or that reason? And maybe, maybe your why has changed once you got there. I, I don't think it's changed dramatically. And yes, I, I have fulfilled it. I, the main thing I do is listen really deeply. That's what I do. Like, that's my main job. Really that. be a witness, really hear deeply. And here's the thing, listening. I love this quote. I forget who it's from, unfortunately. Otherwise, I, of course, would give credit. Deep listening is the willingness to be changed. Oh, interesting. Isn't that great? I love that. I think we all need that right now. Mm -hmm. If I listen deeply, I'm opening to to being moved, Mm -hmm. right? I'm opening to having an emotional experience. I'm opening to having a mental, and you see my hands, now the listener, of course, can't see this, but of course, my hands are like making this motion, like my mind is opening. Yes. When I'm deeply listening, I'm open to all kinds of things in my body and in my mind. And I'm changed by every single client. Every single client moves me deeply yeah. and, and helps me. I learn something and I experience something and I, and I continue to grow and learn myself. So it, it just, um, even though people say, how can you do that work? Isn't it so depressing? It's like, well, I, I see where you might think that. And it's a great question. It's totally legit. Um, and yeah, we, I hear really sad stories. And I'm really with people in their deepest, deepest, deepest pain. And literally, I mean that I'm with them. Sure. I feel it. I know it's not mine, but I feel it. I resonate and it resonates deep in my body. Mm-hmm. But it's not just about, like, we don't just stop there, right. right? It's it's about, so what happens when you tell me this story? What happens in me? What happens in you? What now? Give, given that. What now? What comes next? So, like, so what? As I'm listening, I'm, I'm, I'm always keeping in mind what the person has told me about what they want. Mm-hmm. What's their deepest wish and desire? And so, I'm. I also have that filter always in mind. And so, given this deep pain that we're going through together, or at least talking about together, how does that inform us about your deepest wish, about your deepest desire, about where you want to go? Yeah. How, what are you doing that helps you get there? What are you doing that keeps getting in your way? And what can we together, how can we come together to help you do less of the things that are getting in your way and more of the things we know are going to bring you, let's come back to the word of the day or the word of the season, joy. joy What's yeah. going to help you come to a life of more meaning and purpose given all this? And isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that why we suffer, Wendy? Yes, because we don't have the joy. Well, well, it's to make purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. yeah. Yes. Sometimes because we don't have the joy, we suffer because we don't, because we're looking at the wrong thing. But the but reason of it, are. reason that we suffer is so that in the end, we can find purpose in our life and, and, and use that suffering and not waste it. Yeah. Exactly. Bingo, bingo, bingo. I love that. And so right. it sounds like, I mean, really your passion is to sit with people in their pain where they're at, but then help them not get stuck there and move forward to, yeah. to find their joy in their life and their purpose. The other side is celebrating successes, Wendy. Sure. And that's another thing that people forget. Well, like when they ask me that question, isn't your job work just so depressing? Well, don't forget, we're also celebrating the successes. We also share together the joy that comes from having survived really hard things and 
wow, now look at this great life yeah. that I've created. Isn't that great? Despite all that, I have overcome or I have gone ahead and taken this great risk and done something that really is, is good for me in the world. Yay, celebrate together. Again, that just brings me to life. Yeah, I love I'm that. inspired. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. That's I always love hearing people's stories of how they got to where they are and why they do what they do. Okay, well, let's move on to talk about joy because there's so Great. much to talk about. As we start, I would love for you to kind of give a definition of what you think joy is. And maybe you could talk a little bit about what it isn't, like the misconceptions of it, maybe. And I would love for you, specifically you, because you ha- you have a book about happiness, right? Yep. I would love for you to maybe make a distinction between joy and happy. You got it. I'm going to do my very best. This is probably going to be the hardest question of our time together, though, right? Sure. This is sure. a very difficult word to to define. It's subjective. Uh-huh. It changes for people over yeah. time, right? What brings us joy uh, at one time in our life doesn't bring us joy at another time. So here's, forgive me if this seems at least initially like a non-answer okay, or an avoidant answer, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll this get my to starting it. Point. This is really important. And this question comes up a lot, but, but I love um, how, um, oh gosh, now I'm blanking on her name. Give me one second. Gretchen Rubin, who uh-huh. wrote The Happiness Project and a bunch of other phenomenal books, yes. how she handles this very question. There isn't one definition. It's, there is not one definition of happiness or joy. It's sort of like the word art. Huh. There isn't one definition of art, yet we all know when we experience art. When we're, when we're in the presence of art, we know it. And that might be enough. Now, again, I will still say more, but just start there. Yeah. Dear yeah. lovely listener, start there. Come with your own definition. Come with your own associations. Don't depend on anybody else's definition because it really doesn't matter. And it's almost never probably going to fit yours. Trust yourself. You know when you're in the presence of joy, unless you're super, super, super depressed and you can't even think of it or can't remember it. And then you really need, do need to see one of us shrinks. Right. Right? But most of us know when we're in the presence of joy. Most of us know when we experience. And that's really important. And stay with that experienced, um, embodied experience. You know, trust yourself and just notice, go inside first. What's and, and start with the body. What's happening in my body right now? Where do I, you know, experience it in my bones, in my organs? Um, so all that said. I know I have moments of joy every single day, even in the midst of some of the hardest things I've encountered. So one of the hardest things I've encountered in the past couple of years is the death of my dad, my first parent to die. And uh, it really, you know, the phrase, the rug was pulled out from underneath me. Mm -hmm. Like it's one of those times where you know the meaning of that phrase. Like I was unbalanced. I was able to work. I could totally show up at work. I know how to do my job. But for, for months, that's about all I could do was go to work and show up and be there for my clients. And then I needed to just be in bed. 
I just need, like my body just needed to absorb this new reality. I needed to adjust. My mind needed a lot of time to figure out who am I in the world without this amazing, incredible person in my life. And still I had amazing moments of joy. So a few days after coming back from the funeral, uh, this was in September, I'm seeing monarch butterflies all over the place. Okay, that's a moment of pure joy. I forget for a moment that my dad just died and I'm, I'm seeing these butterflies dance and la- around and land on flowers, on purple flowers. And I'm totally entranced and I'm fully in the moment and I'm smiling, okay? So there are elements of joy right there, right? I'm in the moment. I forget everything else. Everything else melts away. I'm fully in the present moment. I'm happy, my, my, I'm smiling. There's awe, there's wonder. So that so th- these are this is my best way of, of defining it is giving you a really concrete example, even in the midst of tremendous grief. I'm aware of the sunshine. I'm seeing things really super clearly. To me, that's a moment of unadulterated joy. How do we distinguish that from happiness? According to the dictionary, joy is sort of like a higher realm. Uh, happiness is sort of more ordinary every day. Again, to me, I don't care what the dictionary says. What do, what do they know? You, what does it mean to you? To me, happiness is about, um, I, I come back to purpose. Mm. To me, it's about finding your purpose. Why are you here? What, what are you called to bring forth in this world? What's meaningful to you? What brings you pleasure how do, you, how do you serve the community? How do you serve others? Uh, if you focus on that, happiness is going to come to you, right? You're just going to find it along the way yeah. because you're focused on the right thing. So again, I hope that doesn't seem like a non-answer. It might to some people. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's where it come to. I'm following you. And I think, I think you saying something about, I think you said, that you noticed this, like you noticed the sunrise or you noticed the butterflies, you noticed these things. And that is how we find those moments of joy and happiness in the middle of grief is to yeah. notice them because they're there, right? Yeah. And you could have walked right past all of that stuff and been so inside of yourself and not been aware of the things that were around you that could bring you joy. Exactly, Wendy. Exactly. Yeah. And may I say, oh, at the risk of sounding, you know, like I'm an expert, I'm not. I'm just a human being. And I know, like I, I acknowledge, when I would go home from work, I would just fall flat in bed. I would have a quick bite for dinner. And, and so when I was in bed and grieving, I was in my bed and grieving. I allowed myself to grieve. That allowed me to have the mindfulness when I'm out taking the dog for a walk around the lake to see the purple flower, right? Yes. And this is, okay, here's the thing that I learned. So you mentioned my book. In my book, Full Heart Living, happier people don't block the sadness. They don't pretend there's not bad times and they're not happy all the time. Happier people allow themselves all the so-called uh, negative or unhappy emotions. They let those be too. And then, then we're more open to noticing. So I was able to be mindful. That's the word that comes to me as I hear you uh-huh. reflect my 
moment with the butterfly and the purple flower, I was able to be mindful because I've cultivated mindfulness in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I wasn't so distracted by my grief in that moment because I was also making space for that in my life. Mm -hmm. And you knew that there was going to be more coming, but you knew you had time in the future to Uh, be able to grieve as well. So you could be in the moment right now in your happiness and your joy, right? Because you knew that eventually that's going to leave too. And then the grief is going to come and then that's going to leave too. And then you're going to have joy. And you know that because you know that those waves of emotion are going to be happening whenever and wherever you are. And so being aware of them in the moment allows you to feel both ends of the spectrum. Exactly. And what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing from you now is faith and all things pass. Yes. Knowing, trusting this will pass and this too shall pass and this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. That's faith. Yeah. That's faith. It takes a lot to understand that. And I think it even, you know, it takes some uh, time and age (laughs) and experience and feeling a lot of pain and you know, and feeling joy and then having it go and then feeling pain and having it go and then feeling joy again. And yeah, it takes that experience to know that. Yes. We're, we're, our minds are like so parallel. <laughs> Just as you said that I was thinking the same thing. This, this was, this is wisdom of age in part. Yes. It absolutely or is. Your experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sure is. So I want to move on a little bit and, and ask yeah. you, why do you think it is so vital for people to cultivate joy in their life? I mean, why is it important for our mental health, really, to cultivate joy? May I first say, uh, I'll come back to the mental health part. Happier people, people who experience more joy, contribute more to the world, Wendy. Mm. Happier people volunteer more. Happier people donate more money. Happier people cause less suffering to others. This is not just hedonistic. It's not just about uh, uh, that it's just for me. So it's not just selfish to to cultivate my own joy or my own happiness. It helps me be a better person. It it helps me uh, contribute more to the world. We as human beings have these amazing mirror neurons, right? And emotions can be very contagious. Mm -hmm. So when we're around someone with joy and happiness, we tend to feel happier. Our vibration rises. So just being in the presence of someone happy can have amazing effects on other people. Yeah. So it's not just for our own mental health. This is for the community. This, everybody wins. Yeah. Everybody, everybody wins. Um, but in terms of individual mental health, yeah, people who focus on joy Nat, think about it. It's like Nat. This is such a no-brainer, right? Um, uh, it's a natural antidepressant. It absolutely is. Of course it is. Of course it is. It endorphins start flooding the system. Mm-hmm. It's a natural anti-anxiety agent. It lowers. Uh, um, let's say it this way. It increases our resilience mm-hmm. just by focusing and. It, Again, this is, this is, I know this, not just for, I, I know it deeply from my own experience, but I see it time and time again in the people coming to, re, to my resilience classes and my happiness classes when we do, because we always do an exercise 
where we focus for a week on the good stuff. So it's just a one week assignment and at least once a day, but usually up to three, you're really tuning in on something positive. Mm -hmm. And that has a really long lasting effect on people's mental health. It's, it's, it's just, again, this is free, right? This is, it's not a medicine that, that you got to spend a ton of money on. And that's going to possibly have some undue side effects. There's no side effects here, or at least none that we don't want. <laughs> it has some, I think there's some really good side effects. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. What you want care to care to mention any? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there are really good side effects. I mean, even biologically, there are really great side effects. And there's so much research out there now that yeah. talks about I was actually writing something for a group that I facilitate. And yeah. uh, I was writing something about gratitude and just focusing right on the on the good things in our life. And this research talks about how when we focus on these good things in our life, it actually changes, right? The very structure of our brain. Yeah. And if we can do that, um, there's this, there is some research that shows if you do this for 30 days straight, that even if you stop doing that routinely after that 30 days, the changes remain in, in your brain even yes. up to six months. Yeah. So it can do amazing things to focus on positive and noticing, just right, intentionally noticing. Yep. The, Bringing the mindfulness in again. Right. Yes. The, the joy in your life and noticing okay. when it's in your body, right? Notice like, oh, that made me happy. Yes. And my, and you, you point to your chest again, the listener can't see that. Yes. But so, yes. So, so noticing my heart expands, my heart opens or there's warmth or there's tingling. There's a sensation there. Yeah. Bringing that somatic experience in is a great way to reinforce it and to increase the experience. Absolutely. Okay. So we have, we kind of talked about the importance of mental health. I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about some things that you might've found helpful maybe some real tangible things that you've found helpful for yourself, maybe going through some grief that you've just gone through and, or your clients. The number one thing that comes to mind immediately when you say this is connection, maintaining connection, positive connection, positive connection. Well, any connection is better than no connection. Positive connections are better. Interesting. Tell me more about that. Well, um, I mean, it's, it's really, um, maybe kind of sad, but true, but, but even you know, this is part of why people stay in unhealthy relationships, right. Or, or less than healthy, less relationships that maybe aren't as good for them. Shall we say, Sure. because so, we, we are lonely creatures, yes. right? We are really lonely creatures. We, we are absolutely designed for community, for connection, for relationships, right? Yes. We are meant to be in tribes and connected to people and connected to ourselves. And right now, oh my gosh, this is such a hard thing for people because of that. Well, we are really challenged to be creative, aren't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. Thank God we got the tools that we got. Like you and I are on, on Zoom right now. Right. Thank God we got Zoom. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I can't yeah. imagine without it. Don't even, don't even want to. I know. I could, maybe we would do more writing or something, but... <laughs> 
So the number one thing that comes to mind is connection, uh, being with people. So what does that look like? So you, you asked specifically like around grief in my own experience. It doesn't mean that I have to be talking at, with every single person with, for every single moment about the loss of my dad, for instance. No, uh, sometimes I'm going to do that. There's gonna, I'm going to find safe people who I trust to really say, I'm having a really bad day today and who I can cry with mm-hmm. and who can love on me. And then there's other people who I'm going to go watch a movie with. Sure. Right. Or I'm just going to go on a walk together and they're not, we're not even going to talk. I'm just going to be in their presence and they're not going to expect me to be happy. They know I'm grieving and that's okay. But just that experience of being with another human being knowing I'm not alone. That's the number one thing that grieving people say is the most helpful thing. It isn't what people say, although that's important too. We want to be careful. We want want to be really sensitive, but we just want to be with them. People say the main thing that helped is you were there. I knew I could count on you. You kept showing up, even though I was a terrible friend during that time, even though I could barely laugh, I could barely barely smile. You still called me. You still texted me. Mm -hmm. I knew I was loved and I knew I could count on you and I knew you would be there on the other side. That's how we get through any hardship, whether it's grief or anything else is, is through community. Yes. Ultimately people always say, you know, ultimately I'm the only one who can make this change in my life. And there is truth in that. And I, when people say that to me, I always say, yeah, there is some truth in that. Ultimately it is your job. It's not going to happen unless you drive the bus. That's true. And you don't, you can fill that bus with as many people as you want, right? I'm, I can go with you on this journey. I'm with you if you want me. Yeah. I'm all in. You take me along and let me know how I can help. If you want, I'm available. Mm, I like that picture of you can have a lot of people on that bus with you or none. You're driving the bus, but you don't have there's to do it alone. For both, right? There's, there's times when mm-hmm. I just need to go for a walk by myself around the lake. So that I will notice the butterfly. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's really true. That's very true. Okay, so what are some other things that can help you cultivate joy? So what I learned in my home, so so my book is called Full Heart Living. It started with uh, videotaped interviews of the happiest people I know. And then it it morphed. so, So I was creating documentaries and I thought it would just stop there, but it morphed into this book and then into these conversation sparks game that I have created, uh, and then workshops and stuff. But, but what I learned from that whole project is that happier people, people with more joy do three things. And the first we've covered, they connect really deeply with other people. They have a tribe, they make the most of it. They also connect really deeply, Wendy, with themselves. They know who they are. They know their values. They, uh, they're very intentional. And we've, we've touched on mindfulness too. That's part of being connected to, to the self is not missing out on the butterflies, not missing out on the times when we are with people. So it's very possible to be with a group of loving people and be so distracted in our mind by often it's uh, memories of the past or fears of the future. We're just distracted that we're not even soaking in the beautiful company. Mm-hmm. So cultivating mindfulness and really knowing who you are and being connected with oneself is essential too. So number one, for sure, connected with other people. Number two, and it's just a very strong second, and there's a little bit of chicken or the egg. Right, 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 right. 
we could debate that probably all day, but must, I, I think actually connection to other, do, do I come down on that end? Okay. Right. I think I so, might too. I think it'd be really yeah. hard to connect with yourself without having input from other people. Exactly. Yeah. Other people are mirrors. Yeah. They help us figure out who we are. Okay. Number. So two, connecting with oneself. Three, connecting with passions. Interesting. Happier people. Yes. Right. It's, that's unexpected. Mm-hmm. It's not what I expected either. But it's what I clearly found. I couldn't deny these themes. Happier people connect with their passions. They know what they love. They know what brings them alive. And they do a lot of those activities. And they're mindful while they're connecting with themselves while they do it. They're mindful. They don't, again, they don't miss out on the moment. They make the most of it. Okay, then the Holy Grail, you put all that together, connecting with other people, connecting with themselves, connecting with passions. When you can do that in the service of others, oh, look out, look out. Okay, <laughs> this is where you just see, you know, oodles of joy. And, and where it really, and you're smiling. I, there's this huge smile on your face and your eyes are, are just glowing as I talk about this because I, I see you know what I'm talking about. So when, when we do all these things in the service of humanity, in the service of our planet, in the service of these other beings we share this planet with, just look out. It's, 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 I don't even see, I, I get speechless. I don't right. have the words for it. Well, it is like when we can find something other than ourselves to improve and to, and to serve and to make a difference in their life. I mean, make a difference in people or in, in animals and make a difference anywhere than what we are as our, like our soul, our person is important. Right. And so that is what really gives joy. We find purpose and we have a reason to be. And I, yeah, I love that. Yes. And what the words that come to mind now, as you speak is higher calling, mm-hmm. right? There's a higher calling. Then there's this higher consciousness that comes in and like, like, like then synchronicity starts to happen. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's, I just, I get goosebumps just talking about it. It seems like, you know, what you're talking about really, it it can be a progression. You know, if, if people find uh, themselves with, with a lack of joy and not knowing those four steps seem so good to me. Like it is a progression. It's almost like a downhill in a good way, not downhill, bad way, but like it, it, it gets momentum is what I'm trying to say. Like it, it, it creates momentum, right? Totally. Totally. Absolutely. You pick, you start with one and then it goes to the next and the next and the next, and it just keeps going. And it, it there's no stopping it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So join in wherever you are. And at any point in that four steps, if uh, connecting with others, isn't, it seems too daunting to you. Oh, don't start there then. Dear one, start wherever you want. Where's your, where are you called? What sounds the most exciting to you right now? Dive in, do that, Absolutely. do that. And, and you're right. The others are going to come along. If you co- if you show up with a pure heart and pure intention, wherever you want to dive in. Absolutely. Yes. You're, you're going to get that momentum and the others will follow. I love that. Those are good words. Good yeah. words. Okay. Before we move on, I would love for you to tell us anything else you want us to know about joy or cultivating joy in our life. What do we need to know that we haven't talked about? 
You know, the only thing that comes to mind, Wendy, is the foundational pieces. We didn't touch on the importance of self-care and um, really creating the the foundation in our bodies and in our brains so that all of this can be really well cultivated. So uh, it was astounding to me how much happier people um, are pretty careful what they put into their bodies and really careful what they do with their bodies. So uh, eating really well, drinking really well, um, attending to nutrition, moving their bodies, doing things with joy helps set the stage. And it, it really is an important beginning point, if you can, because it, it's easier to do the things we're talking about from kind of from, from clarity, a clear mind, which is fostered by movement and sleep mm-hmm. and really careful intake of, of all kinds. So when I say that, what I mean is yes, food, drink, exercise. Even news media, you know, just being being really mindful with what we take in helps the brain settle, helps the brain be more available and open so that we can do the things that we're talking about. I love that. You know, as you were talking, when you first started talking, I wondered to myself, I wonder if happier people, if you're happy first and then you take care of your body. Or if you start taking care of your body and then you get happier. But as you keep talking, as you kept talking, I feel like it could go both ways. It can go both ways. Right? So like instead of just, instead of, okay, when I'm a happier person, I'm going to, when I'm not very happy right now, maybe. And so I'm going to try that and maybe that will make me happier. Maybe that will bring more joy or it'll allow me to be my my mind and my body to have more clarity, right? And to be able to see and to be more mindful of what we're doing, what I'm doing. And yeah, I love that. That could go both ways. If I haven't, so say this, when I've downed way too many cookies mm. on the, on a holiday, for instance, like I feel or on a Tuesday, re- on just on a Tuesday, just on a Tuesday, doesn't matter, right? It could be a Tuesday, <laughs> not just a holiday. My gut hurts. I don't want to move my body. You know, my mood goes down. I have less motivation, right? All all that is true. If I have too much Coke, if I have too much alcohol, you know, it slows the whole system down. Yeah. Conversely, uh, when I start my day with a protein smoothly with smoothie with spinach and and a really good oatmeal, you know, oh, I'm I'm right, and, and then I go for a nice walk or run. Um, I'm like, oh, I want to have a salad for lunch, right? Be- because like, my, like my body's already like in this groove. Yes. I want to keep going on that. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's. I think it's so much easier to. I was talking about this the other day that it's easier to feel our way into a better way of acting than to act our way into a better way of feeling, right? But it works either way. Correct. And so when we don't even don't feel like it, if we can just act like it, sometimes that really changes the way we feel, right? We know that from lots of different things. Like, I don't feel like going to the gym, but once I get there, then, okay, oh, I kind of feel like this, kind of fun, right? And so it, it does that in our brain. And so when we know that it does it in our brain, it's 
it, it's important just to keep doing things the opposite sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Bingo. So having the, you know, the, the spinach and, and strawberry and banana smoothie with lots of yummy, good almonds and stuff in it, even when you feel like having a donut. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Or say you start with the smoothie. The donut's still going to be there sure. and see, do I, do I still want it? I like that. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Well, thank you for the last thing you wanted to say about joy was just, we need to have a foundation even in our bodies of, yeah. you know, of really wanting to create that. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Okay. Well, we're going to move on yeah. to, uh, I would love for you to talk about how people can get in touch with you all the things that you're doing out there, tell us, I want you to tell a little bit more. You mentioned it, but about the game, because I think that's the coolest thing. Oh, thank you. So, uh, fullheartliving.com, fullheart, H-E-A-R-T, living.com is how people can reach me and learn about all this. So yeah, I'll start with the game. So this is called Full Heart Living Conversation Sparks. I'll just quickly say, so when I was going out doing talks on my book. I would just tell people about the book. I do kind of a traditional book talk. And I, I would end the talk saying, I, I hope I've inspired you to connect more deeply with yourself and other people. And what do you think people would do? How do I do that? They would, nothing. Yes, they, would, they, they didn't, I wasn't helping them. I realized really quickly, I got to remind people or in some cases, teach them how to connect more deeply with people. So I quickly altered my talks into an experiential where we connect really deeply with people using prompts based on the themes in my book. And then I realized I I need to give people a way to do this at home. So I created Full Heart Living Conversation Sparks. It's this like a double deck of cards in a cute little box. And um, it's 102 conversation starters based on the themes in my book. So based on the things I learned that happier people do. So every prompt helps people really get in touch with themselves, connect more deeply with themselves, connect more deeply with others, connect more deeply with their passions. And it includes uh, listening instructions. So it's not just we talk, it's how do we really listen? How do we provide a presence for other people so that everybody involved gets more connected to themselves and others? And we do that by reflecting themes and values. So this This is this whole experience in a box, how to really connect deeply with yourself and others. Fullheartliving.com. I can't wait to get it. I'm going to order them today. I think that might be fun to do like um, at the holidays and with, I saw some of them. You showed me a few of them with, um, I don't know if all of them are appropriate, but some of them might be fun for kids. Absolutely. My, my youngest, uh, my eldest great nephew, he loves it. He's, he's eight years old. And, and I, I would never have predicted that an eight-year-old could get, get into this. He loves it. That's exciting. I have an eight-year-old grandson, so I'm going to try that. Yeah. Go. Okay. So, so, another thing I do okay. is, uh, can I tell you about lemonade meditation? So this is a free meditation on Saturdays. Yes. 10.30 Central Time for 40 minutes. It's a guided meditation every mm-hmm. week. This came out of the pandemic. We, My colleague and I were looking at how can we help people reduce stress and increase levels of community? 
So it's about a 25-minute guided meditation and then about 10 minutes of processing or kind of community building every Saturday. Again, you can find the details on fullheartliving.com. My, my uh, book is available on Amazon. The, the game, Full Heart Living Conversation Sparks, is available on amazon.com. And I will put all of those links in the show notes so people okay. can click right there and find you because I know they're going to want to. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you the three questions I ask everybody on my podcast. Oh, yeah. So first, an event that changed you. I have to say a series of events. Okay. Um, it's actually my own trauma, my own trauma history. Uh, I was mercilessly teased uh, and bullied and um, to call it abuse would not be too uh, strong a word. Uh, mostly in adolescence, junior high, even into high school for being too effeminate, at least quote unquote, too effeminate. Uh, that, that was horrendous. The, the silver lining is, um, I know trauma really personally, really well. viscerally, mm -hmm. and I know overcoming trauma. I know resilience from my own experience. Um, I don't believe I would be as good a therapist as I am if I didn't have those experiences, Wendy. Uh, most of my clients probably don't know what I shared with you. But they, I can tell they get that I get trauma, even without knowing the specifics of my history. They can tell I get it. Mm -hmm. Sure. And because you help good at my work. Yeah. I think that's, that is not wasting your suffering. I love no. that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Okay. A person who changed you. My paternal grandmother, Ella, mm. um, to me was the epitome of unconditional love. I spent as much time with her as I possibly could. I have really, really vivid memories. Just being in her presence, she just um, oozed love and acceptance and she was interested in me. She listened, she asked questions. She, she was there really consistently. I love Grammys who do that. The best. I the do. Best. I love that. I hope I'm a Grammy like that. That's what I try to do. That's what I... I strive for all the time is to be that. That's wonderful. Okay. A book that changed you. Oh, um, it's kind of a silly sounding title now in retrospect. Um, but just before my senior year of high school, I was babysitting and on the bookshelf of our neighbors uh, in, the, in our neighbor's basement was a book by Maxwell Maltz. You ever heard of him? Mm-mm. He was a, a, a plastic surgeon of all things, and he wrote a book called The Magic Power of Self-Image Psychology. And it was all about self-image and how you, you know, what you think about yourself, you, other people are going to pick up on. Mm -hmm. so I entered my senior year in high school with that idea in mind, that, that I would develop the self-image and I would just see myself as I wanted to be. and that people would somehow see that. And you know what? It worked. I saw myself as a friendly person. I saw myself as a happy person. I saw myself, um, you know, being involved in things. I saw myself as well-liked. That was at a hundred percent. No, I still suffered some of that trauma that I mentioned. There were still really mean people to me, but it was less. And all the, all the other things also happened. And, and so uh, I've never forgotten that. And that idea, though, I don't think of it very 
concretely or explicitly anymore. That has just remained within me that I am as I, as I project, as I believe, as I act. Mm, That is really, that that made a huge difference. I'm going to look that up. Well, here's the thing. Can I quick tell you, he, um, he, he stumbled upon it. So he's a plastic surgeon. He would, he would fix people's faces or, or whatever their body part was. And some people would be like, oh, thank you. My nose is exactly what I dreamed of. I'm so happy. Other people would see the nose and they'd be like, oh, it's still just me looking back in that mirror. And he's like, it isn't about your face. It isn't about what I just fixed. He's like, there's something inside. That's how he discovered this. That's fascinating. I have to read that. Well, yeah, I know. It, it may be dated by now. I mean, this was 1979. Well, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's great. Okay, well, thank you so much, Tom, for, for being here. And Wendy, a pleasure. I love it. Having a fun conversation. Oh, my gosh. I love talking about joy. What a day. Me too. Day. I'm looking forward to doing one of your, your meditations. Great. Please so I'm gonna, do. I'm going to connect with you then. So okay. Thanks a lot. I'm so glad you joined us. Make sure to subscribe so you can get all the episodes and you can help support our podcast by clicking the support button in the show notes or going to our website, essentiallybetterlife.com. Follow me on social at Essentially Better Life and check out my website for all kinds of information on business and personal coaching, my book, and even some great stuff on essential oils. Thanks for listening. Blessings and be well, my friends.